Welcome to Savvy Business, Life Unscripted with your host, Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting, Life Unscripted. We're so grateful to have you here today. You're going to share your, wow, what a story. You're going to share your memoir and book, Such Unfortunate, and you dealing with uh, being an addict to opioids and, and, and conquering it, going above it. It's a big epidemic in this country, a lot of people suffering from it, and as we talked before the interview, it doesn't just affect the family to have people who are addicted or yourself addicted, it affects the entire country. It's a big epidemic. So we're going to talk about that, but before we go there, share with the audience a little bit about your backstory and what even brought you to writing the book. Sure, sure. Thank you for having me on, first of all. I really appreciate it. You bet. Uh, my backstory is this. I had, uh, at a very young age, I had suffered from anxiety and depression. I um, grew up in a really abusive household. Um, it's just a, a fact that I had to, you know, come to terms with. But I grew up in a really abusive household. That led me to suffer from anxiety and depression as a young child, um, and also a, a whole host of other problems. But I went and I tried to seek help with those, and the first place I went to get help was through a doctor, and I went to a psychiatrist because I was having these horrible panic attacks to the point where I took myself to the hospital believing I was having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. When I went to a doctor um, at 13 years old, they prescribed me clonopin, which is very similar to Xanax. And it wasn't like a prescription where they said, take this a couple days so the panic attacks go away. It was just a prescription you take. Um, and so I started taking that every day. And within a few weeks, I was addicted to that. So before I was 14 years old, I was addicted to an adult do dose of a benzodiazepine. Um, just and what is that exactly? What, what is a benzoid? Benzos, um, they're like Valium, Xanax. Um, what they do is they, they calm nerves. Um, mm -hmm but they're extremely addictive and they have horrible side effects. If you stop yeah. taking them, you can have seizures and die. You can have a seizure and literally die if you stop taking them abruptly after you've been on them for a while. But they also affect a lot of chemicals in your brain from normally functioning. Um, and especially in a child, they make you do things you wouldn't do. People forget whole periods of their day and don't know what they did. I mean, just insane things. There was a kid I was in rehab with that was in law school took a bunch of Xanax one night and he woke up outside of a cell phone store and he had robbed the whole store, put all the phones in his car and just fell asleep there right in front wow. of the store. And wow. he had never been in trouble before in his life. And so it's that type of thing. I didn't get to that extreme right away, but hmm. it's that type of thing. The consequences that come from being prescribed these things, which I may have needed it in the day that I was having that horrible panic attack. Yeah. But I should have looked at why I was having those panic attacks and what hmm. was a way to, you know, really the problem behind it, not just here's a drug and that's the answer. I love that you bring this up, Andrew. A friend of mine uh, a number of years ago said she was going through medical school, very stressful, zero sleep practically. And she said to get through and she was starting to have anxiety like you. So she went and got something like Xanax and, and thought, okay, now I'm fine after a week and just stopped using it. Went into seizures, had to be taken to the emergency room. I didn't know that it was something that happens often, uh, but she said, it, you know, I didn't realize you can't just take yourself off of it once you start. 
Yes. And she thought, look, I'm off. I, I finished my medical exams. I can go back off these puppies. But right. you can't. And that's one thing I think parents, because, you know, the doctors are telling them, oh, yeah, your kid's anxiety. Here, here's some medicine. Right, right. The parents think, okay, it's going to help my kid. It's medicine. Medicine's good. Um, but for both um, for both teenagers and kids and for the parents to realize that there's some dire consequences to getting on a medication and to do your research as well, don't just leave it up to your doctor. Sure. And that's... Yeah. That's what basically started where eventually it led me into later in life opiates, which, um, you know, I'm sure people have seen in the news with Oxycontin and everything like that. It's the same kind of thing, only um, on a worse, uh, you know, the level, the damage that comes with doing opiates is, mm -hmm. is un incredible. Uh, when you become addicted to opiates, there's, it's not just a mental addiction. Opiates are great for short-term pain if someone's in massive pain, but mm -hmm. they should at the very most be used for three days. Yeah. What happened was they, unless somebody's in terminal cancer but everything like that, but the very most they should be used for three days. But this family, the Sackler family from DuPont, um, I mean Purdue Pharma, created Oxycontin as a drug to be taken for a real long time. And that was a, you know, as everyone come to found out now, a horrible thing because it ended up, these people would be addicted. And even if they weren't addicts before, they'd end up taking it for a couple of weeks and become physically addicted. So even if they wanted to stop, they couldn't, even if you, yeah. the withdrawal that comes along in my book, I get into what opiate withdrawal is really like, and there is nothing on earth that I have even come close to the agony that comes from trying to withdraw from opiates. Um, yeah. And here's something that I think people don't realize. Not only is the withdrawal in, insanely agony and painful, but in some cases it can kill you. And, and this is with anything you're addicted to. There was one guy I heard of that was extremely addicted to alcohol and decided, you know, to make amends with his ex-wife. He would just cut cold turkey. He died. Sure. Because his body was like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? The body becomes to expect these medications or medicines or, or these drugs and cannot do without it and can go into disastrous effects that could include death. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had a friend who um, he, he went to his doctor to try to get a refill and the doctor cut him off after getting him addicted to this. And so he took a prescription and sort of forged it and they went into a pharmacy and he was arrested. And while in jail, he withdrew and died. Oh my God. Hell yeah. Because yeah. uh, they're not going to give you anything. So. Wow. And what's amazing here is that you're, the, the, on the outside of your book, it had mentioned that more Americans die of drug abuse than the total who perished, the people that perished during the Vietnam War. So, and Iraq and Afghanistan, if you really want to look at wow. it, all combined together, more Americans perish every year than all three of our wars combined together. Yeah. And now we're talking about drugs are used to, to get rid of the symptoms. Now we're not talking about the very serious case of depression and people dealing with very mental illness and other things. I mean, think about it. If you're going to some of these wars, you come back and you've got to facilitate, get back into normal life. How the heck do you do that when you were just out in the battlefield seeing horrible shit that no one else gets? And you that's what, what I get into my in my book is the one thing that I feel we don't focus on enough. They focus on the drugs and there's the drugs and we got to make them illegal and all that. And it's done nothing. The thing we should be looking at is what caused the people to mm -hmm. get on the drugs in the first place. What is behind it? That is the way to solve this. It's not, 
you can't make it illegal to you can make put all the laws on it you want people are still going to use yeah you, you need to look at how these people why they were using in the first place if it's anxiety and depression you need to solve look at that yeah Not, okay let's just take the drug away and the person still got the anxiety and depression yeah. you haven't solved anything i mean they're still going to look for something you need exactly. to look at what's behind it and why these people went to that extreme that's the symptom. Now, where do we go to get the cause? And I, I told you about a doctor we had on a couple of years ago who actually created a movie about this. And one of the key things he mentioned, which I thought was fascinating, is that most of the school shootings in this country, the kids were on psychotropic drugs. Oh, I believe that. And you had just mentioned the fact how it's mind-altering drugs. And if you're a kid and, you're, and your brain isn't fully developed, what is this doing to your brain? So here we are having the conversation. Let's just get rid of the guns. Boom, it'll all go away. There won't be any mass murders. Really? Do we not have any other weapons they could use? Right. It's not talking about the, the cause of why are kids doing this? What's the cause behind it? How do we solve the problem? Correct. Correct. Yeah. That's Wow. Yeah when you look at the consequences that the um that this has had um especially with the opiates i mean it's mm -hmm. they, they've come in and since they've been prescribed in all these small they've like literally decimated towns uh, the, i mean if just there's more people in jail than there are working because of this and it's if you go into areas like kentucky and west virginia they went to these doctors and gave them a financial incentive to prescribe oxycontin to everybody they could and um, it just, it's, it's really something that, um, you know, and like I said, I get into it in the book and I get into what is behind this, what we need to do to solve this, because it is killing some really great people in our country yeah. and it's tearing yeah. families apart. Yeah. And I mean, when someone becomes addictive, you'll mm -hmm. see, I mean, they'll go to try to get out of that withdrawal. They'll spend all their money. They'll start stealing stuff that they would never do, uh, yeah. you know, stuff that I wouldn't. I would never even think of doing all of a sudden once that hits you, it's you're capable of things you would never be. Thank you. Yeah. And this is why I like having you on Andrew, because uh, we had drug abuse in our family too, but see, I'm coming from this perspective, looking at the drug abuse from the outside. I'm not the one dealing with the abuse, meaning I don't have the addiction, but I'm looking at like, why would my, my, you know, my family member do this? Why would they steal? Why would they be abusive? And, and, you get it because you're there and you realize right. that that to get rid of that agony and pain, you'll do nothing but to make it go away. Right. Um, so for me, explain for our audience, what can we start to do as citizens to, to reverse this? Even if, you know, because people say, well, I don't have anyone in my family who has a problem. Trust me, you're a taxpayer. You're dealing with this problem right. one you're way or another. With this problem. Absolutely. There's, there's a few things that I believe that need to be done. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, we can't, like I said before, you can't arrest yourself out of this problem make all the laws in the world because the drug is illegal didn't stop anyone I know from using. Okay. Mm -hmm. And no one, even if the drug was legal, the people that still, the problem why people go out and destroy themselves with drugs is because they're dealing with something inside. If you see a person, a child that is acting out, um, is suffering from depression, anxiety, panic attacks, even at a younger age, starting to drink themselves, there is something that's going on that they are trying to get, and you need to look at what's going on. They may be being abused at home. There may be some issues going on that they need, there needs to stop before they get to the point where they're using. The second thing is doctors need to stop prescribing this stuff like it's candy to people because yeah. people do not know what they're getting into. Mm -hmm. Oxycontin is stronger than heroin. And mm -hmm. so people don't understand when you go to a doctor, a doctor said, I'm going to give you heroin. Would you take it? But they say, here's this Oxycontin, you're in pain. The most three days is what it should be prescribed for. 
Now, if somebody's a chronic pain person, there's nothing else they can do. They've been on it and they, you know, somebody's dying of cancer. I have no problem with that, but mm -hmm. just prescribing, making money or prescribing people drugs is the same thing drug dealers do. Yeah. And what I love about this, um, Andrew, is that we as citizens, by demanding um, that this be fixed by, you know, policies that doctors cannot. Now, we do have doctors cannot just pass it out like candy, but it's still not enough. My, we had surgery. My husband, he still got 60 pills when he was done. They made me sign a million papers and make sure I had an ID to pick it up. Right. But still, it's still 60 pills. You can become addicted if you stayed on all of those pills. Right, right. So it's like you still have to get tighter with realizing this is not candy. This is not medicine. It's only a fix for a short time to get you through that real initial pain, which like you said, and like uh, the doctor we had on a couple years ago said, it shouldn't be more than three days dealing with after the surgery that you should be on such medications. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I also think there's an aspect of other drugs that um, are prescribed like these benzodiazepines that are also even besides the opiates, a lot of people were given them as kids and become addicted to them. And that's a way of sort of shaping them into the addiction. And yeah. the last thing um, that I'd like to discuss that I saw over and over, I mean, it's something that isn't talked about a lot, but with real hardcore drug addicts, I'd say 90% of them were abused sexually as children. Mm. And so there is a big problem in this country that isn't talked about. Wow. Either law enforcement needs to get on that. Most of the addicts that I met, um, I ended up becoming homeless. I lost everything. Was living on the streets. I went from living in a wealthy town to homeless. And oh my gosh. most of the addicts I met had suffered horrible abuse in childhood. And it led them to eventually becoming, and it was unbelievable. Even when I went to rehab, people at first said, no, I never went through it. But after they would open up, you'd see they had that in their past. And I think there's something about that abuse that leads people that destruct, that just leads them to search for something like an opiate. Um, yeah. to make them outside of themselves. So. You know, yeah, I totally get you there. And that's interesting because that's what happened with my family. The person who went that direction in drugs actually had been raped. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally get you. And because it's such a direct – and the thing is where I think uh, one of the things to start with is to have open – real dialogue where we don't make it wrong for kids or people to discuss these things openly right. is, is a good start. Um, because when that person went through it, they didn't feel comfortable enough for one, talking to their family, number two, to go to the police. Cause they said they thought it would have, you know, recourse on them if they could go to the police. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's another big one. And uh, we don't have time for it today, but you should come back at the, the whole thing going on with not dealing with your emotions, I think is another thing. We have social media, modern technology, TV, videos, la la la, you name it. I think it's kind of disconnecting people from themselves, dealing with their emotions and each other. And that's kind of, I think, what kind of leads people to being so depressed. So I think that's another element that could be part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I well, agree. definitely. I, I really enjoyed uh, you having me on. I just wish you'd, uh, if anything, tell people they can get my book on Amazon. Um, it's such unfortunates. It's on ebook, and you can also get the paper book like this. Um, it's coming out on Audible in two weeks. So if you want to just listen to it in your car, but um, I would appreciate that. It, it, like I said, if an addict like me can beat my addiction, anyone can do it. So that should give you hope if you have a family member or you're suffering with addiction. Absolutely. That's absolutely. Do you have a website people can go to as well, or just uh, uh, yes? It's um, well, there's at Facebook at amazingnewbook.com um, is the Facebook page, and that's really the main website for my book right now. Awesome. 
Awesome. So that's where well, everybody and, seems to go when we talk the most about it. So, Andrew, thank you so much. It's been so fascinating. It's such a great topic. I'm hoping it'll inspire others to get out there, take action, kick this awful thing in the butt so we can get rid of it. Thank you so much, Andrew, for coming to Savvy Broadcasting and Life Unscripted today. Thank you. It was a pleasure having me. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. You betcha. Take care. Bye now. If you like this episode, please share. To hear more savvy episodes and savvy biz tips, go to lifeunscriptedradio.com. To become a guest or participate in paid sponsorship, email us at christinalifeunscriptedradio.com.